how do we start? Hey everyone. Hey, this is Fields of Work. It's a podcast about work and fields. And it's two brothers who do this podcast. And the one brother who's talking right now, his name is Sam, and he's the oldest and handsomest. Which one are you? Um, some of that was debatable, but I am the youngest. I am Max, and I am an organic farmer. I feel like we need to always remind people what we do oh, for yeah, living. I'm you know? a consultant. <laughs> but These not, people decided to join us this late. Not like the, a uh, loser, you know, real square consultant. I'm a cool future of work guy consultant. That's, the, that's what all consultants say. Mm, yeah, maybe. <laughs> Oh, I don't think any of you guys would introduce yourself as like a bunch of squares, bunch of bore, bunch of borings. I also don't know that I would introduce myself as cool future of work consultant guy. Yeah, whatever. No, it says that on your it says that on your LinkedIn. I think. Yeah, definitely, Max. You came up with a checking question, so you ask it. Um, let me look. You you took it and you tweaked it a little bit. Let me add to it. Uh, oh, read it. Okay, yeah. My original question was just let's talk. Let's talk favorite zoo exhibits. Um, I feel like our family, we did a once a year zoo trip usually. All right. Yeah. Um, and then you added, you took it, you turned it, you said, this is a field trip and we're going to the zoo. And most importantly, we need to talk about also what's in your lunchbox. Well, so here's the thing. Um, My like main memory of the zoo, like, yes, I've gone to the zoo as an adult several times. The zoos are cool, but I distinctly yeah. remember it being one of the field trips that I think it was maybe a yearly tradition through elementary school, you would go to the zoo with your class. And it was always really exciting because zoo, but also because sometimes you would have something fun and uh, atypical in your lunchbox. And maybe this was different for you, you know, you're 10 years behind me. So maybe this was no big deal for you. But there was always there was a there was a high chance that I would have a lunchable uh, in my lunchbox. Ooh. We would never yeah. get Lunchables any other time, but I remember at least one zoo trip where I had a Lunchable. <laughs> and you've never forgotten. <laughs> I mean... Well, I look back on it now, and Lunchables are kind of disgusting. Um, it's like the lowest quality meat and cheese and cracker that you could possibly have in this like plastic monstrosity. But as a little kid, uh, for whatever reason, it was a highly sought after item for me. It was yeah. I mean, it was like the coveted. That's what you wanted. Did you, were you just the traditional the meat cheese cracker kind of? Yeah. Lunchable? Although I remember there being the pizza ones, which is maybe even more gross than a typical lunchable because like a yeah. cold pizza, like basically like pizzas, cold pizza sauce on like a bread disc with unmelted cheese. Like what? I can't believe we thought that was good, but it was. Uh, it was. Yeah, I think I was a fan of. The, I mean, I feel like. Also, now that I'm older, there's not that much food in one of those. I know we were no. little kids, yeah. but I think a Lunchable leaves you wanting. Yeah. Um, at least that's, that's, that's supposed to be my memoir. Uh, <laughs> and the, <laughs> but you're right. I do think the, there was usually, even when we went with as family, there was always like a big picnic involved with the, with a zoo, a zoo field trip or a zoo trip. Um, but I don't really have any. I don't have any core memories of of what's in my lunchbox. Right, well, I mean, really, I'm right, what would you want to be in your lunchbox then, other than a lunchable? <sighs> I mean, the the I think when they're yeah, older, the dream would be if you could go. They had like they actually put in like a nice little food courty kind of thing, not food court, no. but like a little restaurant. But no, I don't wait, think I've ever we're not eating there. at the food court. You, know, you got to bring your food. We're not. We weren't rich, Max. <laughs> I know I maybe gave yeah exactly. I know I maybe gave that impression <laughs> with my lunchable story, but no, we were not rich. 
Or maybe you I were mean, by the time I left, you know, and, you know, maybe I was gone to college and you guys were off going to the zoo and eating at the food court. I don't think I can't separate an ideal lunch as a kid without just always thinking of like our normal lunches were where we followed a, a, a strict system for our lunches, which was, you know, sandwich, salty, sweet, and then, you know, I can't remember. Sometimes, sometimes a fruit, maybe. I don't what know. was your go to sandwich? I think I was I was like a like a you know bologna and cheese or yeah, ham and okay. cheese I or something do. you know bologna, and maybe maybe a and and cheese yeah and then yeah, I get a little packet of taco sauce at the at pretty school. much it oh I did not do that that's I didn't know yeah, well, about I was that, a pioneer that, that hack you were yeah you've always been doing food hacks yeah. um and then usually it was a salty of like you know whatever the 48 pack of salty thing we had bought that week at Costco mm-hmm. or <laughs> club to get our family through like probably one week of lunches. I remember eating a lot of Gardettos for a while. Um, Chex mix. And then like, you know, just little bags, cheez It's. And then if you were lucky, if you were lucky, the dream was to have a little bag of the famous Amos chocolate chip cookies. I'd rather have um, cookies. Sure. Also. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I just feel like, we would we would definitely get those. But I feel like those barely made it to the lunch at school. Those were like a at home cookie cookie snack. Um, I feel like everything was everything was in bagged. You know, we always had bagged <laughs> Costco cookies or something. I've been or, thinking a lot about childhood snacks recently. Like, yeah, what is, when you think about your childhood and your like most sought after like but regularly occurring snack, what uh what comes to mind? Oh man, I mean. I just feel like we always had some form of, of cookie in a, in a bag or cookie in a sleeve. Um, based on, depending on like whatever the, the, the store of the time was, but I do Swiss remember cake coo- Swiss cake rolls. Yeah. Swiss cake rolls were great. And, uh, I loved a kudos bar. I know Joey loved a kudos bar. Oh yeah. Um, weird. you remember those things? And there were like, like three different flavors. Like granola get. bars, but not really. They were like, the, they were that fine line between granola bar and candy bar. Yeah. Um, and nowadays they're way more granola bar. I think if you get one, but back then they were pretty much like a Snickers or something. They were chocolate coated. Yeah, you know, chocolate filled. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, as granola bad, bars are. Yeah, this paints a bad picture of like how we ate growing up. We we were we ate fine. We ate good. Yeah, yeah. Mom did a great job. She did do a great job. Uh, I'm worried she's sitting at home right now thinking. I love fruit or, or a, a gusher. We didn't do a lot of gushers. Oh, gusher. Yeah. Fruit by the foot, <laughs> man. The other day, I guess Googled snacks from the 90s and it was very nostalgic for me. Anything that like caught you off guard? Anything that you forgot? Enjoying? Yeah. Uh, there was this oatmeal, this dinosaur egg oatmeal that when you put oh, yeah. hot water on the oatmeal, the dinosaurs like hatch out of the egg. You remember that? I don't know if I ever ate it. I remember it. Um, I, I do remember that. Maybe I just remember it existing in the zeitgeist and not so much it in our our family, our home. Um, but I don't, think I, ever, I don't think I ever eat that. I wasn't a big oatmeal guy to begin with, though. Yeah. Um, we didn't answer the second half of this question, did we? Oh, you had the important one. <laughs> Which, what, what, what exhibit are we going to in the zoo? Um, I mean, <laughs> I on the, on the call where I had this question earlier in the week, I was talking about how much I like the penguin. The penguin Dude, that house. was my answer but, when I had this question earlier in the week. We're going to the penguin <laughs> house first. And then I just thought about it more. I was like, man, it does smell terrible in there. Like, the, especially the one, the OG one in Detroit, before they built this new nice one. Yeah. It was a stinky, stinky, dark zone to be in. But somehow just seeing the, the, the penguins racing in circles was always a good, was like good fun. Yeah. Um, I love the penguin house. 
Yeah, me too. All right, well, what if you couldn't go? What if the Penguin House was closed? You, you run up, yeah. you know, six-year-old Max runs up to the Penguin House, and it says, closed for cleaning because our penguins stink. Where are you going next? Um, I think I would try and go to the polar bear exhibit and hope okay. that you see some polar bears. I don't know if I ever saw the polar bears in the water. Maybe, like, once. Um, I think I maybe then, did, but not in their new exhibit in the Detroit Zoo, but in the old one. And then walking through the, the tunnel... You get all like the seals and whatnot that are swimming around in there. Um, yeah. But the same thing. Also, the, the polar bears could be a huge letdown. They were definitely like rolling the dice. So, like, what kind of yeah. what kind of polar bear experience were you going to have that day? Um, but you could always then like rely. You could always fall back on when you're a little kid. The prairie dog exhibit where you could get inside of it. Oh yeah. Um, you pop fun. your head up out of the, out of the tunnels and and look at the prairie That's dogs like, around you. You're a prairie dog. Pretend you're a prairie dog. Every child's dream. And yeah. those those were like staples. And then there were the ones that you know you. You sometimes, I don't, you know, there's so many things at that zoo that I don't know if I ever actually witnessed. Um, like what? I feel like there's, there used to be the, oh, I was just thinking of one. The, the Wolverines were a thing that were there I that were hard to see. That. The Wolverines, I don't think I've ever seen a gosh dang Wolverine. I saw one, I saw one, I think I saw him playing once. And, um, you know, there's a couple other, like, the smaller it used to be really hard occasionally to see like the, the the chimps and like a big not not the little monkeys but like a full-blown chimp or gorilla i feel like i don't remember really seeing them ever there's a lot of those exhibits where you walk up to and you're just like i can't there's nothing out here to see yeah. um which maybe just makes me think that maybe they weren't in there and the zoo is like ah it's fine <laughs> they're not gonna i'm gonna notice yeah sometimes you know, you know they got to go back and i don't know do whatever they do in the back Get their, in the back. What, what get do you think the coach, back is like? Get their coats brushed out. I don't know. Okay. Hang out with the zookeepers. You make it sound like it's like a bunkhouse, like you know, like loft situation in the back there, like hanging out away from the people, like enjoying a little bit of quiet time, not having to put on a show, like a backstage situation. Basically, yeah. You got special pass <laughs> to get in. I'm so professional. I just sneeze so hard. I think I just hurt my back, but I muted my button. My mute. I hit the mute wow. button. Isn't that great? Yeah, and as we're always going to say, calling it out is a good way to let people know you did a thing. Yeah. So penguins <laughs> thing that's supposed to be quiet. Go. Penguins yeah. are the place to go. That's my number one. What are you number avoiding? Two? What am I oh, avoiding? Do, uh, I was, uh, do your number two, and then we'll talk about what you're going to avoid. I mean, I like the reptile house. Yeah. I told I had someone else said that on the, the call last week, and I said, you know, Harry Potter ruined that for me. Um, mm-hmm. The scene where he falls into the – where Harry makes the glass disappear. and Yeah. Brother yeah, falls in there. That ruined when you it. Go in there now. You're just keeping your eyes open for wizards. Wizards, or making sure I'm not putting my weight on the glass. Well, yes, you know you shouldn't be um, doing that anyway. Thumb, regardless, regardless but, you know, of, I could, you know, regardless of wizards. Wizard, regardless of wizards, <laughs> never lean on the glass. Yeah. Um, I like a reptile house. They kind of freak me out, but like in a in a fun, exciting way because they're in a controlled, <laughs> controlled environment. You know, it's not like out here where I stumble upon a snake and, and, you know, we're in the wild together. Yeah, you kind of live in a reptile house. A little bit. Um, That's a good segue. Right. What's going on in the farm? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Being my reptile house. I haven't actually seen Mom and Dad were asking if I'd seen my first snake yet this year, and I have not seen a snake mm-hmm. yet. I will make sure to report as soon as I see my first. saw my first, uh, like, uh, my first lizard or gecko or something of the season. Probably not All a gecko, right. is it? Um and, but no snakes. What has been going on, on the farm? I mean, same last time we talked, how many how many chickens had died? Just the one? I think the, just one. And then there was the one that like you thought was egg bound, but was like acting totally fine, just kind of looks a little engorged. So like, what yeah. is, what's been going on? 
the death count has risen um, and in an unexpected way, um, which is not great. So there was egg bound chicken that we think maybe wasn't egg bound. It had something else going on. Could be a tumor. I don't know. It was waddling a lot, but it was still very active. And we were kind of letting that one just do its thing and keeping an eye on it. Um, and I, we've been watching it for a little while. It was doing okay. But um, expecting that one to be the next one that would have to be taken care of in some way, shape, or form, or hopefully nature would do it on its own. I walked out there one day to a chicken dead floating in the little pool that Flossie likes to take his baths wow. in. A chicken somehow got in it and couldn't get out what? and drowned. Uh, it's a different pool than last time you were here. It was a bigger, kind of like okay. bigger sides, but it yeah, hadn't been an issue. It was not a very big pool. No, it would be kind of startling if a chicken yeah. got into like a kiddie pool. This was more like a, a trough situation with some steeper sides. Uh, anyway, I got out there. There was a chicken floating dead in Flossie's pool. So that sure was an Flossie unexpected turn. That. No, but I, yeah, I don't, I don't, hopefully the chicken wasn't in there long. Cause I swear I saw Flossie in that pool the day before. I'm hoping Flossie <laughs> didn't just like disregard what was going on and just hang you out in there anyways. Flossie murdered that chicken. I wouldn't put it past him at all. I think yeah. we talked about, we got rid of the other rooster because of Flossie's aggressiveness. Um, on the last episode, we talked about that. I think, I don't know if we did or not. Maybe that came in a little, the little time afterwards, but what would Flossie have, no- have to do to get kicked off this farm? Cause I feel like Flossie ro- rules the roost literally. Yeah. He's supposed to, I mean, he's really, and he's really trying to probe and find out where that line is that he can cross <laughs> and can't. Um, <laughs> And, you know, trying to kill the rooster all the time and to the point where we had to get rid of the rooster was kind of, you know, a bit much. But luckily for him, the rooster wasn't really serving a purpose to us. And so in the sense that, like, we didn't need – we weren't trying to incubate eggs. We weren't trying to hatch our own right. chicks. Um, so, like, all right, the rooster can go. Flossie does a moderately good job of, like, actually protecting the flock, we think. Except you know, he's there. Themselves. Except for themselves and each other. And, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, we it seemed like – he uh, he's been doing his job, so that's why we've been kind of keeping him around. Because the question did yeah. come up, you know, who do we get rid of, the rooster or the goose, as they say? <laughs> and we chose to get rid of the rooster. Um, and so I think we're we're in an okay place now with the with the, the chicken goose hierarchy. Um, I think and maybe that is very Flossie much Flossie can learn how to be a lifeguard. Yeah, you think you think so? Get I mean, I don't. I, I'm very. Uh, I can actually I can picture that. <laughs> I'll get him one. And um, I don't know. I'm very curious to know how that chicken actually uh, managed to drown. But was it the one that was like sick in some way or no? Oh, that would have been so nice, wouldn't it? Just to have yeah. that be the way it goes. Yeah. I was really, it was a white chicken, which I was like, okay, this could be it. This is the, the, the swollen one is a white chicken as well. And I went out there and a little part of me was hoping like maybe at the least just that one is finally died and yeah. it's fine. And I didn't have to do it. And nope, it was a different, what, different chicken, so I took that one. I don't understand how a chicken it. dies. I mean, don't they float? I That's the only thing I can think of is that, like, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't – I huh. you'd think – well, actually, I think I read something about uh, – maybe this was some – this is some internet lies that uh, there were some farmers that had been switching to, like, in areas that were flooding a lot to raising ducks for, for duck eggs because they can float in a flood. And they've been in a very water – you know, a lot of a flood zone and – Someone commented, well, can't chickens float? And apparently chickens can get, like, kind of waterlogged and uh, and go down. Um, uh, so I they're that, not. You know what? That 
I I can I can relate to that. I also get some yeah. kind of a little bit waterlogged. <laughs> I mean, I just googled can chicken swim in on uh in on the old Google here. I'm seeing some images of some very happy looking floating chickens. How how long into that their swim is that yeah, though? I don't know. And no one's got no one's telling you if those are fresh into the water chickens. Um, Our chicken I mean, also- is one of the head the 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 headers on this page. And what do they what do they say? Uh, it's a lot of writing here. I don't really feel like it's, a lot. <laughs> it's not a yes or no. Um, oh, they cannot I mean, float thing- for long periods of time. You're right. Okay, so maybe that is maybe that's what happened. You know, I wouldn't put it past Flossie can be mean and aggressive. Maybe he drowned yeah. his chicken. I have no idea why he would hmm. do it. This didn't. This isn't one of the chickens that I would say was on Flossie's list of ones that he seemed to not like. Because I would say there is a list. list. You you know I like, don't. their relationships. There are definitely a couple chickens out there where I could be like, that is a chicken that is that Flossie does not care for. Wow. Um, he 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 pecks at them more, and he just he just seems more aggressive towards them. So it is there are certain ones that I could have been like, okay, I get it. Um, but this was not one of those. So that chicken died. It was okay. a shame. I had you know, tossed it in the woods. That's uh, that's chicken number d- two dead since you know end of winter ish. Not great. Not not going well. And then about two or three days ago, or no, just just last Friday. Oh, just Friday. Just last Friday, as uh, we um. Kira looked outside and the swollen chicken was just not doing great. Taking a lot of, a lot of sitting breaks, which, you know, hmm. I, again, I relate again, to. I, I can uh, relate to that. I but, wouldn't say uh, that I'm not doing great and I like to sit. Better <laughs> <laughs> watch out. And uh, there were just some other signs that this chicken was, was doing worse. And so I went out and picked it up and looked at it and it's swollen skin had been kind of splitting a little bit in the sense oh. there was like a scab and some infection. So oh. it it was not like horrifying to look at or anything, but it was definitely like it obviously wasn't going to uh, take care of itself. And it was losing what I would go ahead and call it. It's vigor for life. Um, and so it was failing I, to thrive. I mean, it was failing to thrive. And on this farm, we can't, we can't abide that. Um, so I had my neighbor come over who has experience killing chickens and we decided that the right thing to do would be to put this chicken out of its misery and suffering and obviously wasn't going to get any better. So I got to experience my first ever uh, first ever chicken chopping off the head experience. Did you do chop that? There's two roles in this in this job and there's the the, the he who yields <laughs> who holds the axe and the other one who uh, sub, who holds the chicken. And I would argue that both jobs actually kind of are awful because yeah. um, sure, you know, you'd expect obviously swinging the axe to or hatchet to do the job is not great. Their necks are incredibly thin, like it's it's yeah. very quick. Um, but there's the famous thirty seconds everyone knows about after you cut a chicken's head off, which We're is its body and is running yes, around. Yes, not and... yeah, letting running around if you let go of it. Um, you know, not letting it. You know, as it gives up the ghost, it's not a instantaneous process. Sure. The chicken's not going through any pain or anything, but its heart is pumping yeah. um, blood still. And that was my job. I was holding the chicken, so I oh. essentially had a headless chicken flapping in my hands and just well, kind yeah, of holding it, it still. What do you feel like when you chop off the head of a chicken? Uh, I, mean, I don't want this podcast to upset people, but it's – I mean it's – We're know, learning. We're learning. This is a place of – um, of, of, of learning. I couldn't think of a word. It's late in my day. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it feels like the chicken is still very much alive. It's just like if I picked up one of the chicken right afterwards, like I picked up a chicken and didn't secure its wings or something yeah. and it's flapping, like flap, it's trying to get away from me. Um, that's essentially like what happened for the first like couple seconds. And then you sit there and hold it and then you can kind of just feel like 
the heart beats slowly slowing down. It took yeah. probably like 20, 30 seconds for it to, to stop. Yeah. And so that was grim. I'm glad we did it because it just yeah. was probably better than letting it hang out out there on its own. And, and we were worried about it every day. We'd look out there, make sure it wasn't getting picked on by other chickens because as we established, they're monsters. Yeah. They would have no problem going after one that's sick or with one bite out there. Um, so we got rid of it. Um, we're down now. That's not a great, not a great spring uh, in the chicken world. Yeah, you're having a rough um, chicken spring. But you know, it's as a as a farm as a full unit, we'll take it because last year there was a bad cow spring. I remember there were a lot of rough birthing uh, incidents last spring with the cows, and this year it's been much better. The yeah, cows how's are all the doing fine. Situation? They're great. I think you know. I don't think they've had any like major health issues with any of the um, how many moms babies and all are the, there? There's four over there now. Um, how cute are they? Four, pretty darn cute. I uh, well, we shared the story. I, I I picked up I picked up that baby cow and carried it. Yeah. So I mean, I've gotten my my cow my cow time in. Um, I should go check out. I've been over there a little while. But you know what? If it's a trade off that some of my chickens have to die and have a rough spring compared to the cows, these chickens are. Um, I hate to say it, worth a little less than these cows are. So, well, you know, I'll put up with it. Mm-hmm. Um, Don't let them hear you say that. Yeah, I mean, I think even they on they would understand, you know. Right. <laughs> but uh, other than that, I mean, I'm just like I'm really hoping this is the end of my my chicken my chicken saga. Um, I think you might sit this- down with with Flossie and like let them know what's up. Like this is not mm-hmm. you can't you you can't abide a goose that lets his chickens die yeah and i mean i think flossy his end goal would be that he has no chickens under his under his tutelage and he is a solo go- a solo goose so to him i think every every little incident's a win right. and so if yeah. i start finding more dro- more drowning incidents or things that look suspect <laughs> i'm 100 percent gonna have to set up like a, a camera on him yeah, and see if GoPro he's truly on his chest yeah <laughs> be a lot of him floating in the floating in the ba- uh, pool um, which is uh, maybe good content, honestly. Um, yeah, it sounds relaxing. ASMR. So yeah, so I'm you know hoping to get more into the vegetable side of things and, and stop being a uh, chicken farmer. Um, yeah, are your but you know what? Living are they failing to thrive or are they doing well? Actually, I'd say the the uh, vegetables are doing great. I'm. It's been slow because the weather everywhere has been you know again sporadic and up and down and really wet here we had some cold you know um and hot spikes both directions basically in the past month but it's supposed to frost again tonight we're hoping it's the last Jeez. one but this is very late in the season to be getting a frost so cause problems for you um it shouldn't i still just i don't know this through because of how wet the fields have been i haven't planted a lot of uh frost sensitive stuff yet there's a lot okay. of it in the greenhouse started you know as little seedlings and I will like button down the greenhouse early tonight. I'll probably go close it after the podcast here and try and trap. It's sunny, but cold trap as much of that heat in and, and try and get through the night without tomatoes and basil and peppers and stuff being exposed to, to below freezing temperatures. Um, Cause that could really set them back. But other than that, I should be, I should be fine to make it through. And I'm hoping by the end of the week, we're in the eighties. I can put um, some of these tomatoes, in the ground, peppers in the ground, things like that. So who knows? I mean, frost could still come, 15 days from now it's happened before we're in a little bit of a little valley here so um it's not unheard of but it's making things more difficult um especially when i'm keeping my eye on the csa start date and not that they're gonna get tomatoes in their first share or anything but um your variety of you know things are growing slower if you're getting cold nights so um i'm over here just a little you know 
as I always am anxious about having enough food for the CSA, but um, I think, I think we'll be fine, but it's officially two, two and a half weeks away or so. That's so cool. we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Cool. Uh, other than that, I got a little note there. I had a puppy, I had a puppy for one yeah, night. Why did you have a puppy um, for one night? <laughs> um, sad. It was, no, it was, I mean, Kira really just wanted to, to, to bring a puppy home once from, from her job. And these puppies were going to go out for adoption the next day. Um, but they had to take them to an event or something. They were just adorable little puppies. And they it's ideal for them to not have to spend too many nights in the shelter and in a kennel. So Kira's like, well, you know, we can just, we can, we can have a puppy for a night. So we did. We brought this puppy back. And we only had this dog from like six p.m. to 6 a.m. or 7 a.m. Like it was not a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's solidified that I probably will never get a puppy. Really? Um, Why? Oh my goodness. And they're just thank goodness for hardwood floors. You know, it's just like this, they, they don't know where to pee or poop. This, the, these are, they're just all over the place and they're they have the sharpest teeth you've ever felt. <laughs> and they bite everything, skin, tables, chairs, doesn't matter. Um, when they crash, they crash hard when it was great and it slept in the puppy slept through the night. His name was Sprout sprout slept through the night um which was which was a relief but he was <laughs> he was a lot of puppy um i'm looking and, i get found the pictures of him he has a very wrinkly face yeah he's like we're not sure what his mix was but he definitely had some maybe some sharp hay or something in him yeah. um but he had a real he was a lot of wrinkles um like a fat and he was a cute guy. he was yeah he was a chonky little fella um but when we were both exhausted from from work and life and then we brought a puppy in for one night um, it just, yeah, it does help us make that decision in the future that, you know what, if we're going to adopt, we're going to adopt an older dog and strive for that, you know, a dog with a little bit of energy that enjoys laying around. Um, cause puppies, puppies require a lot of attention and we did not have a lot of attention to give. Also the cat, her cats here, Bellatrix cat did not care for this puppy at all. Um, so much so that she threw up twice, I guess, in protest. I'm not really sure. <laughs> I don't know. you know it's i don't know how we assume that was the reason i don't think she had like eaten anything different i think it really was like a and she i feel like she kind of did it in very prominent places so we can she can make eye contact like this is how i feel about everything that's going on out here um so (laughs) it was was an experience it was comical it was exhausting um the dog was very cute you know got some great pictures and some videos um and then we've then we brought that dog right back and someone else adopted it. Someone else adopted that dog. And you know what? That is theirs now. It's just like the kitten I fostered, you know? Yeah. Someone is getting a handful and hopefully people know that when they go and adopt a 10 week old puppy. Max, do you ever think that maybe, um, maybe you have commitment problems? Oh no, I think this is great. <laughs> I think I've found the way to get my fill and not have to deal with <laughs> dog rental, the basically. Yeah. Blockbuster that, for dogs. You say that like it's a it is a service that most humane societies, humane associations need. They need people that will take pets from the shelter and take care of them for like two weeks and return them so they can adopt them out because there's always usually a middle period. For the kitten, it was like fattening up that kitten so that it could be had the surgery and then be adopted out. In other situations, things like, you know, an animal just got surgery and needs two weeks of just on its medication and, and being taken care of and then it could be brought back in and adopted out. So you know, fostering pets is a good way to do it if you don't want to keep the pet forever. Now, you'd say a lot of people ask, well, wouldn't that be really hard to get rid of that pet? 
when those when those two weeks, three weeks are up. Uh, and I'm, that might be where it, for a normal human it would be. Um, <laughs> for you, but apparently, like, yes, get this out of here. <laughs> for me, it seems to be working. Get uh, me a fresh one. Perfectly. I'm yeah. done with this one. This, Dabs. I know I don't like this one anymore. And um, so, you know, I think there's going to be some more fostering in my future. And I like that idea. Um, and, you know, I definitely think if I ever get a, a, a pet, it'll be either another another cat, a nice laid back cat or an older dog um, or a farm dog. But, you know, it takes time to train a farm dog to, to not walk all over your crops and, and you know. Um, I never even actually really thought be. about that. I figured farm dogs were not really trained at all because they just hang out outside in kind of their natural state. But no, you yeah. actually have to. I guess it depends on what level of farm farm you have. You know, do you have like Grandpa's Farm down in Kentucky where, right? Uh, you know, the dogs can just run wild and be farm dogs and just are outside all day? Or are you on like a? Do I want this dog to like hang around me and, and not step on my cabbages? Um, <laughs> but you know, it's a trainable thing. Um, so maybe one day my future farm will. We'll build a talk. We'll talk farm dog. Right. I'm sure if this if this podcast ever goes long enough, there might be the the journey of Max finding a farm dog. Um, nice. Do you have a name picked out yet? I don't. It would definitely be you know I think vegetable adjacent, vegetable fruit farm You're adjacent. Name your you dog know. vegetable adjacent. That doesn't ring off. That's, that off the tongue. <laughs> it's not great. Um, <laughs> open to ideas, um, but yeah, no, it'll be I it'll be so. something like that. Little shishito. That'd be kind of cute, shishito. right? Yeah. Well, that's a good name. Um, well, um, kitten, little turnip. Little turnip, little hawkeye. We'll, we'll think of some stuff. My boy, little daikon. <laughs> you got that just about right. You got to call. You've learned a lot of this podcast. <laughs> yep. But uh, so yeah, that's that's. What about you, Sam? What have you been doing? How oh, are you know, crops? I've been doing. I've been uh, planting a lot of crops and killing a lot of chickens. Hmm. But like metaphorically, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> metaphorically. Uh, I don't know, man. Just doing my thing, working, working here in my my home office, uh, having chats, doing some writing, uh, doing workshops, a little this, a little that. Bada boom, bada bing. All right, good episode, good episode. <laughs> Thank you for. T- <laughs> um, okay, what about all right? Are you? You have any? First off, do you have any work travel coming up? I know with your current role in the ready, you're not necessarily working on a specific client, right? You're not on a specific various project. DAOs. You're still, yeah, various DAO things. Um, yeah. Which you were at that conference in Colorado. I know you went up to Toronto. Do you have any other yeah. DAO based no, DAO based travel? Yeah, no other um, DAO based travel right now. Um, just saw earlier today that it looks like the Ready's next retreat, I think, is going to be somewhere in Canada. I don't know where, but they just told us to make sure our passports were ready to go. Um, that'll be in the end of June. Um, so I think that's the next the next travel that I'll be doing for, for work stuff. Gotcha. So is there yeah. is, is there anything that, in, in uh, layman's terms and updates in the world of DAO and the work you've been doing that you want to share, or is it going to all... Is it all going to go over the heads of uh, us to your listeners? Well, I think I can probably explain. Uh, I can probably uh, give it to you in pigs and bunnies, as they say. Um, Thank you. That's that's my language, pigs and (laughs) and bunnies. Chickens and bunnies. Yeah, give it in chickens and bunnies. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, so the main the main thing, I mean, I guess a couple of weeks ago, I was in Florida for a little while doing wedding planning stuff. Um, so I had a little bit of a break from from work. But the main thing that Tanisi and I have been working on is um, you know various DAO related projects, figuring out how does the ready 
create a sustainable business model providing services to DAOs. Um, so I have a project that is with a, a, a prominent DAO called Gitcoin, um, which has been a series of workshops around like strategic planning and some other strategy stuff. So that was like, what, eight hours of facilitation I've spread across three days um, in the last two weeks to, to do that. And then almost probably about half that amount of time actually planning the sessions. So that has been um, a good chunk of the work, but that is one of um, one of the few things that we've done so far that has like paid us a significant amount of, of money, like comparable to like what our other projects would be. So that has been cool and um, a lot of fun to, to work on. Um, I'm glad, I think this week is much lighter on the facilitation front than the last couple of weeks have been, which I'm ready for a, a lighter facilitation week for sure. Um, but in addition to figuring out how do we bring our advisory and consulting services to DAOs, we've been trying to figure out other things to do, like other projects, other programs to experiment with. So we're working on something that we're calling the Contributor Accelerator Program, which is basically like an online training, um, like a mix of like an in-person, like a synchronous training and asynchronous um, like course that people can take to really um, basically to better to better understand how to operate in self-managing systems. It's kind of taking some of the, um, the ready made a course a while ago and basically adapting it to people who are working in DAOs. So we're getting close to kicking off our first cohort through that program. We'll start next week, um, which will be another, it's kind of new, another new way for us to generate revenue for the stuff that we're doing in the, uh, in the DAO world. It's not, is it DAO specific or is it in the sense where it's bringing the ready's work to an individual if you wanted to, or is it always going to, this is, this is in harmony with the work you're doing with DAOs. Is it it's, like, you know what I mean? Like it's in harmony with the work we're doing with DAOs. So it's, it's aimed at individuals in DAOs. Um, okay. And it would be very relevant to any individual kind of in a self-managing organization, I think with very minor tweaks. Uh, but we're trying to specifically tailor it to to the DAO context as much as possible. Is that, I guess you kind of mentioned that, that is that a thing that the Ready's done before in terms of like offering, you know, instead of yeah. if you're not working for a company that wants to bring you in, but you personally or a small group of people in a company want to, um, you know, be exposed yeah. to the kind of work you guys are doing. Is that a thing you've done before? We had some colleagues who developed a course um, based on our material. Um, yeah, specifically for that, basically kind of, well, more so that companies could buy it and then people could at the company could go through the course kind of like on their own pace. Um, so we're taking that work as a starting point and basically building on, on that for what Tanisi and I are doing. Gotcha. Yeah. So that's, um, that's been good. I mean, and the, the DAO stuff just continues to be go to go well. Like you know, continuing to get signal that the stuff that we're doing is valuable, and that there is certainly a lot of opportunity to be um, you know, to, to to help people and to make money in this space. So so far, so good. Nice. So this yeah. is going to be. I mean, I'm obviously you guys always seem to reassess at uh, retreats and things like that. So obviously yep. until June, but is this going to kind of be your your thing at least for the entire you think the entire calendar year, multiple years to come? I mean, obviously it's early on in the stages of you guys doing this work. 
but do you personally feel like this is a thing that you'd want to keep working on within the ready for foreseeable future or? Yeah, I think, I think so. Um, I think as long as we continue to see positive signs of growth and as long as, um, it makes sense for me from like a financial perspective, I think it would be worth continuing to do. So what I mean by that is, you know, at the end of this initiative, this initiative that goes through June is paying me my default rate to do this um, mm-hmm. Web3 stuff. So it's not connected to like my ability to generate revenue through uh, from the Web3 stuff. Um, I don't know how long the ready would want to keep doing that. I mean, ostensibly at some point, and we're already seeing this, we are making money from the Web3 stuff, that we'd be making enough money from the Web3 stuff that the ready, like I would be getting, and anybody who is working on it would be getting paid through that. But I don't personally want to take on the risk of of having that be true yet. So, you know, at the end yeah. of this initiative, we'll have to see what it is that we, um, how we want to fund this work going forward. And I could see you know, the ready is doing well and we're seeing enough positive momentum here. I could see, even if it doesn't continue on as an initiative, potentially it continuing on as just like a more permanent part of the ready that actually gets funding to help, um, help it sustain itself. And in that case, I think I would keep doing it. I really enjoy the work that we're doing. It's fun to be in this new space. And, um, I like, I like being on the forefront of us doing new stuff, so I'd like to I'd like to keep doing it at least for now. I was gonna ask if you I mean, but it's pretty similar. I said you miss you know specific client work like you were doing before, but in the sense these DAOs kind of are a client on their own in the, yeah. in the way that they're operating and the way that you're handling them. Is there much that feels uh, that anything that you miss about the way that you were working before when you were working with like obviously a very established company and um, a physical location with you know. Um, you know, different employees and like, you know, large structures that you were coming in to deal with. Do you miss that at all or not really? Sometimes a little bit. I mean, the, I definitely miss going into client offices, um, but that went away kind of with COVID, not really with the Dow stuff. And it's starting to come back for some of my colleagues. Um, So I do, I do miss that. I liked going into locations and Dow's, you know, don't really have that. Obviously, at least most don't. Um, I guess maybe maybe every once in a while I miss, you know, the idea of like really being able to just like sink my teeth into one context. I say that, but I always know, like especially at the end of my last client, I was craving like new challenges. So it's always kind of like a grass is always greener on the other side sort of situation. And the actual work itself, like these workshops I've been doing for Gitcoin, it feels like any other sort of client engagement. So I it's scratching, you know, the itch that I have to do this type of work. It's just, it's not that different. Yeah. Do you feel that, uh, and, and we always talk about this, the difference between farming and, and the work you do, is there more or less or any, or about the same level of like kind of seeing the, we sure are. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes, Emily, this- we are recording your loudest whisper in the history of whispers. <laughs> Max could hear that. Did you need something? Um, <laughs> no? You just wanted to make your presence known? Okay. Carry yeah. on. Our number one <laughs> guest on the show. It was uh, basically like, you know, we talk about being able to see the results of the the work that you're doing. And, you yeah. know, a lot of the times you're like, yeah, I don't really get to see that at all because, you know, it's maybe long-term change. It might be subtle change. It might be a thing that's hard to measure. Do you feel that there's actually 
anything more measurable when working with DAOs or is it kind of the same issue? Hmm. Good question. I think it's maybe a little too early to say. Um, yeah. I haven't done a lot of like really long-term stuff. And I think actually this Gitcoin stuff is kind of the first foray into like coming back week to week to with the same group of people and kind of the same challenges and, and making progress on it. So I could see that um, kind of happening there potentially. The other stuff, it's been much more about like building our foundation of doing being able to do this work um, going forward and like more kind of like one-off workshoppy type things so not yet but i think i think the potential is certainly there because there's so much more opportunity with DAOs to really affect like how they are structured and what they're doing yeah so cool beans yeah yeah um yeah yeah you had two other things on here you want to talk about those two things i had a tweet go kind of viral which was weird um and style related but to bring you into context so this tweet had 329 retweets 22 quote tweets and 767 likes which is a lot uh i'm just clicking on these other stats here it had 65,458 impressions uh yeah so it was crazy to like just like twitter is a very different experience when you're getting like responses like multiple per second for like hours uh it was weird and i don't think i really want to go viral again um i mean it wasn't like particularly caustic or anything but you always have people kind of popping up who want to like fight with you uh and i don't i guess i don't like fighting on the internet so he only likes fighting at home uh... wow wow you just invited yourself into this podcast (laughs) (laughs) um our third co-host over um uh, but basically, I was gonna say, so you don't like the, uh, the did it bring you? Did it make any connections for you or anyone to reach out to you? That were people that were like you were pretty stoked and had seen your tweet and were like, all right, this is actually a beneficial actually, conversation or there was a guy. A topic or not so really. I got a bunch of new followers from it, and one of the new followers is this guy named Chris Dixon, who is like maybe the most famous um, venture capital um, investor VC guy in this space who has like hundreds of thousands of followers and is very prominent um, in Web3. So it was, co- it was cool to see that nothing has really come out of that, but um, maybe maybe at some point in the future. Gotcha. Well, congratulations. Yeah. Mm, thank you. Thank you. And then my only other I'm, thing on I'm the list I'm proud of here, you. I'm proud of you. Yeah. Not work-related, but I have my first triathlon this weekend. It's my short little sprint guy. It should be fun. What's what's that mean? What's what's short little sprint guy I mean? Uh, seven hundred fifty, seven hundred fifty yard swim, twelve mile bike ride, five k run. Okay, I mean that's still that's still hefty. How you yeah. feeling? What do you uh? What do you think is the weak, weakest point of your game? Probably a swim. It's a swim, but it's yeah. But I'm still I'm doing much better than I used to be, and I can swim for very long periods of time just pretty slowly um and i did oh i wore a wetsuit for the first time yesterday slimming right very slimming (laughs) i I was gonna ask how good do you think i looked in it probably pretty good right um yeah i'm sure like i'm sure you look great i so have you ever have you ever uh gone swimming in a wetsuit uh no can't say that i have well, it makes it, you quite buoyant. Add it to my bucket list. Yeah, it makes you quite okay. buoyant, 
and it makes you very fast in the water. I felt like a sleek dolphin. You're allowed to. <laughs> I'm sure you looked a lot like a sleek manatee. Yeah. Uh, hey. <laughs> Are you allowed to wear a wetsuit? In the, are you supposed to wear one when you... You are allowed up to a certain temperature in the water. And since this is an early season uh, race, the water will definitely be cold enough to warrant a wetsuit. Nice. You get the added bo- the buoyancy. You get a little, yeah. little boost. Yeah. I was not expecting... Nice I was that. not... It, like, helps you keep your body in the proper position because, like, your legs are more buoyant than they usually are. So, I think... Uh, Bring, gonna, brings them up a little bit? Yeah, exactly. I think I'm going to be fast as hell. I bet. So, this... Maybe to bring it back full circle here, does this mean I should have gotten wetsuits for my chickens? You probably should have put help? your chicken in a wetsuit. <laughs> it probably would have been more buoyant. Yeah. I think I'll have a hard time drowning well, while wearing a wetsuit. Um, I guess we'll find out after this weekend. Uh, so I'll, I'll report back. <laughs> is that a, is that a big concern for you? How do you feel? It used to be, drowning? but it's not really she- anymore. Although I don't really have any open water swimming experience and that is different than swimming in a pool. Um, so there will be an element of shark familiarity in a, in a lake in Virginia. Probably not. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and they're not going to introduce any sharks. That's like an obstacle choice. Like I don't think you have yeah, to do I it. don't think I don't think I can choose. This one's sure kind of. <laughs> Although I do think there is a nuclear power plant like on the edge of this lake. Sweet. Yeah. Um, that's be cool. Yeah. You might get something from that. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so yeah, that's I'm looking forward to that. It'll be fun. We should probably wrap up because I think we now have quite a delay happening right now, and I don't know how to fix it. Oh, well, in that case, this is a perfect way to end the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, all right. Well, Max, I'll talk to you. Uh, talk to you soon. See you, man. Later.